Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Let's get into the Word, everybody. We're going to get into John chapter 1, verse 1. It's going to come up on the screen for us to read. This is a very important passage of Scripture to our beliefs and to our faith. And so let it get into your heart and into your spirit. Write it down for later. But let's read John chapter 1, verse 1. And this section is about the Word became flesh. It says this in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. This passage, quite quickly, you notice that it has similarities to Genesis 1.1, which is in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now we get in the New Testament, in the beginning was the Word. Then it says, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. I'll just read that verse again. It's going to be important to what we look at tonight. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Speaking of John the Baptist, he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe." He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own. Speaking of Jesus coming to the Jewish people. But his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, To those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. I just read verse 12 again. Yet to all who did receive Him. Has anyone received Christ as their Lord and Saviour? says, to those who believed in His name. Who believes in the name of Jesus Christ? That it's the name above all names. For those He gave the right to become children of God. Children born, not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Children born, not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. One more passage before we get stuck into it. 1 Peter 1 verse 3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Feel free to say amen or do a flip in the aisle or something. Last week I talked about how often in life if you share with somebody that you're a Christian or if someone's aware that you go to church, sometimes there is follow-up questions from that person. What kind of church is it that you go to? What kind of Christian are you? And um, I don't know how, uh, how many times you've experienced this, but I know for me I've been asked on multiple occasions, are you one of those born-agains? 
There's many different expressions of the, the Christian faith and I get asked, are you one of those born agains? My answer to that question is 1000%, I am one of those born agains. And I say that because I've been born again. In my need, in my sin, in my inability, on the road to death and destruction, on a highway to hell, God reached out to me. He gave me new birth by His Spirit. He put faith in me. He opened my eyes. He transformed me. He took me from death to life. I became a new creation. The old went and some new came. I was made like new. I got a fresh start. I was forgiven. I was set free. Salvation entered my soul. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. I was born of the flesh in 1993, but I was born of the Spirit in 2005. I am one of those born agains. Are there any other born agains in church tonight? So let's look at this a little closer. And we're going to look at really the key passage about this concept in John chapter 3, verse 1. And we're going to pause a bunch of times to really unpack what this means for us. And again, I hope this paints a beautiful picture of what it means to be born again. If you are born again, but maybe you've lost a bit of that joy, you've lost a bit of that oomph, I hope that tonight stirs you, reminds you of what it is that you've received. If you're not born again, I hope this informs you tonight and helps stir faith in you to receive what Christ is offering you. So let's read John 3, chapter 1. We're just going to read to verse 4 and then have a little break. It says this. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Great question. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And all the mums said, thank God that is not what he's suggesting. (laughs) Jesus introduces this concept to Nicodemus of new birth. New birth to be born again. Where you come into a spiritual encounter with God, a spiritual transformation, a spiritual awakening, a revelation. Where salvation and and relationship with God, it's, it's not something you're born into by natural birth, as that scripture said. You're not born into it because of who your family is or who your family isn't. You're not born into it by religious activity because of where you've been or what you've done or what's been done to you or what's been sprinkled on you, but by the Spirit of God. The Scripture says that no one can see the Kingdom of God unless they are born again. No one can see it. You know, that word see there, uh, the, the actual word for it in the original language, it really speaks to beholding, experiencing, uh, discerning clearly. And, you know, it, it's the same word in the Old Testament when it talks in Isaiah about God saying, I'm doing a new thing. Can you not perceive it? It's this idea of you can't perceive the kingdom. You can't begin to understand the kingdom of God. You're not going to be able to behold the things of God unless you are born again. What's the Bible teaching us, everybody? The Bible's teaching us that without spiritual birth, you can't perceive spiritual things. 
And, and that is why it can be that when you're walking with God and you're walking by the Spirit, you've been born of the Spirit and you're sharing things that God's doing, people that aren't born of the Spirit think that you're talking in French. It can be as though you're from another planet. And what can begin to happen is that for you, it's like everybody else is from another planet and speaking in French. And as a believer, sometimes we can see people and we say, can they not see what God is doing? Can they not see that God is trying to reach out to them? Can they not see what God is doing in the church or in that family or what's happening in the kingdom of God? But it's a problem with perception of perceiving spiritual things because they've not been born of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 to 10 says, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him. And verse 10 says, These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. You know, even in the New Testament, we see Jesus with His disciples and and He asks the disciples a question. He says, Who do you say that I am? And this happens in Matthew 16, 13. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. He's saying, blessed are you because you've obviously experienced, you've received something supernatural and something spiritual from God, which has lifted the scales off your eyes and He can see who Jesus truly is. I read this quote last week. We're gonna read it again. It's from J.C. Ryle. He's a very famous bishop from the 1800s. He said this of new birth. He said, to be born again is, as it were, to enter upon a new existence, to have a new mind, a new heart, new views, new principles, new tastes, new affections, new likings, new dislikings, new fears, new joys, new sorrows, new love to things once hated, new hatred to things once loved, new thoughts of God and ourselves, and the world, and the life to come, and salvation. When we receive birth by the Spirit, we can perceive spiritual things. God is wanting to reveal who He is to you. And you must be born again. You must be born again. You know, last week I preached this message and someone was in church with a jumper that said, ye must be born again. I thought that's pretty cool. I don't think anything else of it. I just think he picked that jumper that day. But anyway, verse 5 John chapter 3. Jesus answered to Nicodemus, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. So previously when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, He said, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now He's saying, You can't enter the kingdom of God unless you're born of water and the Spirit. Born of water and the Spirit, it's it's speaking of one birth, not two. So it's not saying born of water and born of the Spirit. It's teaching us that we're born of water and the Spirit. Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus, who was a religious leader. He had great understanding of the Old Testament. And so Jesus uses this to make His point. Um, I preached about baptism a few weeks ago. And, and what baptism is, and what it's not. 
and what understanding people would have had of what baptism was when John first started doing it. Because I don't know about you, but we've got a concept of baptism, even that people that aren't Christians understand baptism. If they see someone at Hillary's and they're in the water with one other person, they get dunked under the water, they come up and everyone cheers. People generally go, oh, it's a baptism. Or that guy really needed a wash and his mate's really excited. (laughs) But that's probably what most people thought was happening back then, or at least that's what I thought, until I read into what Jewish people understood of cleansing by water, ceremonial washing. It's a big part of their belief system. And Nicodemus, when Jesus is talking to him, he's got adequate understanding of spiritual renewal and cleansing by water. Nicodemus would have totally understood the Jewish practice of ceremonial washing to make things that were unclean clean enough to re-engage with community and most importantly, to re-engage in communion with God. And you know, the Old Testament is full of imagery where water, as we'll see, as, as, as wind as well as we'll see, is used to refer to the work of God. So water and wind are used to refer to the work of God a lot in the Old Testament. And a great example of this in the Old Testament where water and spirit are referenced together as they are here by Jesus is in Ezekiel. And this is a, a beautiful passage of Scripture. And this is where God speaks through the prophet Ezekiel about Israel's restoration to God. So let's look at Ezekiel 36. It's going to come up on the screen. This is going to help hopefully make a great point. (laughs) It says, For I will take you out of the nations. This is God speaking through the prophet Ezekiel. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Now he's not, the power here is not the water, everybody. It's symbolic. (laughs) This is what I'm trying to say. It's not, hey, I'm going to sprinkle water on you. It's going to be powerful. Then it says, I'll cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. Verse 25 says, I'll sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. This is again taking what Jewish people knew of ceremonial washing and being made clean to go back into community, back into communion with God. And it's tying it to a work of the Spirit that God wants to do. Born of water is not referring to baptism. Baptism is not mentioned in this passage and Scripture tells us actually that Jesus didn't personally baptise people, that the disciples did. And my opinion on this is that it's like when Jesus physically healed people and told them not to tell anybody. I don't know if you've ever read that in the Bible. It happens a couple of times. He physically heals somebody and says, hey, don't tell anybody. Go, go away and, you know, da 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 Essentially what Scripture suggests He's doing there is He's trying to help not detract from His main mission. He didn't come just to heal bodies. He came to clean souls. He can certainly heal bodies, but he's far more interested in the cleansing of your soul. And we've got to not make an idol of those things because more important than physically getting better is spiritually getting made whole and made new. So Jesus didn't baptise people. And if baptism was essential, I think he would have. But really what it's teaching us is that without a washing of the soul, a cleansing that only God can do, no one can enter God's kingdom. Without a cleansing of the soul, a baptism of water and the Spirit, it's, it's speaking of a spiritual washing on the inside that you and I so desperately need so that we can see the Kingdom of God and enter into the Kingdom of God. What's so cool about that is that Jesus is referred to as living water. 
He says to the, the woman at the well, he says, whoever drinks the water I offer will never thirst again. Jesus is, is portrayed in Scripture as living water and the living Word. You know, the book of Ephesians talks about washing with the Word. And then it talks about washing with water. And what's so good about that is that Jesus is both. So essentially, you need to be spiritually washed by Jesus. And He does it through the work of the Spirit and He does it through His Word. So let's go back to John chapter 3. Let's pick up the story in verse 8. So Jesus and Nicodemus' conversation continues. Jesus says, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. Great question from Nicodemus. How can this be? Poor Nicodemus. He's, he's getting introduced to him for the first time, the idea of being born again. He's like, how can someone go back into the womb? And now all these new things are being introduced. And his, his brain, his belief system, his worldview is getting shaken at the core because new birth is not something obtained through human effort. And why that's so tough for Nicodemus is he's part of a works-based system where what he did, his religious activity, his religious devotion would connect him to God. Jesus comes not to adjust that, but to start the whole thing from scratch to say that, hey, you cannot bring new birth by your own means. It's by the work of God. It's by the washing of the Spirit. The need to be born again is a call to you and I to abandon everything that we think we know about connecting with God and to admit spiritual bankruptcy and to say, I need to start again. I need new birth. I need not just an improvement, not an adjustment. I need new birth. That's what new birth means. He didn't say a new midlife adjustment. It's back to the start, a fresh creation, a brand new opportunity to go again. But that's what you and I need in our view of God, our connection to Him, our relationship to Him. We have so many broken ideas. And we need to start again. Often when people hear about the forgiveness of God and that salvation comes not by something you do, but something you receive, it almost doesn't make sense. Because I think often we would like to play a part in us connecting with God. But really God says, hey, it's it's a work of my spirit. It's the work of my will and of of my love. And He's looking for faith. You know, like, like wind, the transformative work of God on the human heart um, can't be controlled or predicted, but, but we can watch its power at work uh, in people who have experienced new birth. Um, I was at a primary school once doing some outreach for church and I was with a couple of the, the crew and we were in there and this kid came up to me at recess time and he had all these buddies with him and he knew we were from the church and he was like, hey, if God's so real, why can't we see him? So if I can see God, I'll believe that He exists. And so I was like 19 at the time. And I was like, this punk 12-year-old, we're going to have a battle. But he was a good kid. And I said to him, I said, you know, what are some other things you believe in that you can't see? And he's like, nothing, because I've got to be able to see it. And I said, well, what about wind? Do you believe in wind? And he was like, yeah. So you can't see wind. How do you know it's real? He's like, well, you can see it move other stuff. And you can feel it. And I said, well, that's how I feel about God. <laughs> And that is the work of God is like wind. We don't know where it comes from. We don't know how it works. And that's the sovereign power of God to work in such a way that we often can't, well, we can't physically see it. But I can certainly see it move in the hearts of people. And I can certainly feel it. Jesus uses the analogy of wind from an unknown heavenly source 
to depict spiritual birth. God imparts spiritual life to, to people who trust in Jesus. All right, let's look at verse 10. This is a bit of an interesting one. So the story continues. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Here's here's an interesting verse. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in Him. This is how crazy the Bible is. We've got like four verses where already it's used analogies of water, wind and snakes, which I think is the name of a UK punk band. But it's all very interesting. Water, wind and snakes. But what the snake speaks of, we're going to have a look at the Scripture. But new birth is by the Son, so by Jesus Christ, by the cross and by faith is what it teaches us. Let me just say that again. New birth is by the Son, by Jesus Christ, by the cross, His death on the cross, His resurrection, and then by faith in Christ and His finished work on the cross. That's why often at church when we pray, we say, I put my trust in your finished work on the cross. Because it's an awareness that new birth comes by the Son, by the cross and by faith. Where snakes come into the, into the mix is Jesus is referencing an Old Testament story, which is a pretty hectic one, where the Israelites, God's people are in the wilderness and there's this massive breakout of snakes amongst the people. And this is what happens in Numbers 21, verse 8 to 9. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. So let's just look at that verse again in John, now that we understand that. It says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in Him. Moses lifted up a snake in the wilderness, and those who looked at it lived. So it is with Jesus. God has lifted up His Son. That's why we read in Scripture, high and lifted up. We sing high and lifted up because God has lifted up His Son for those that would set their eyes on Him and put their faith in Him. We will not die. This is what the Bible's telling us, that whoever looks upon Christ, sees by the Spirit and enters by faith, will not die but have eternal life which is exactly what the next verse says. Verse 16, as we carry on with the passage, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. People were getting bitten by snakes in the wilderness. They lifted up a snake. If you look at it, you will not die. God has lifted and elevated His Son, Jesus Christ, for for us to have the opportunity to set our eyes on Him so that we will not die but have everlasting life. Verse 17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. You know, that passage there is perhaps the most famous Scripture of all of them. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that whosoever would believe in Him, the whosoever's, I'm pretty sure there's a Christian rock band called the whosoever's. But that's good news. And that language is good news. Whosoever. The prerequisite there is that you're a whosoever. (laughs) 
that if you would believe. And what's so good about that is that it's the desire of God that all would come into a relationship with God. It's the desire of God. It's, it's the mission of every believer to help that reconciliation happen. It's the need of every heart, but unfortunately, it's the desire of few. But I know that God's desire is that all would come to know Him. And let's read some Scriptures about this. Let this just encourage you. It says in 1 Timothy 2 verse 1 to 4, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And then look at verse 3. This is good and pleases God our Saviour, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You know, God has a heart for you. God loves you. Scripture tells us that He loved the whole world and that He wants everybody to come into a relationship with Him. His heart is that all would come to repentance. You're included in that all. You being here tonight is God in His grace reaching out to you to offer you new birth, to have an opportunity to receive spiritual insight, a spiritual awakening, to see the Kingdom of God and by faith enter into the Kingdom of God. By the Son, by the cross and by faith, you can receive eternal life. You can receive forgiveness, salvation, transformation by the Son, by the cross and by faith. Just so I get ready to close, I just invite the worship team to join me. No, that idea of being able to see the Kingdom of God. There's a great passage in Ephesians which speaks to this and let's have a look. It's gonna come up on the screen. Ephesians 1 verse 18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people and His incomparably great power for us who believe. I just read it again. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people and His incomparably great power for us who believe. For, for us who believe. You know, tonight, are you a believer? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe that His death on the cross and His resurrection is enough for you to enter into a relationship with Holy God. I believe that. Whether you don't believe it or not, I believe that for you. I believe that Jesus Christ's death and resurrection is enough for you to come into a relationship with Him. I believe that by the Son, by the cross and by faith, no matter what you've done, you can experience new birth. You can be born again. Despite what's been done to you, despite what's been said to you, said over you, despite what you've done, what you plan on doing, what's been done to you, God can wash it all. God can begin a great journey of walking alongside you, helping you become a new creation. God has a purpose for you before your, before your birth, your birth of the flesh, God had a plan. God had a plan for your life. And whether your, plan, your parents intended you to be here or not, God intended you to be here. It's got a great purpose for you. And I believe it's an important day when you're born of the flesh. Of course it is, because otherwise you're not here. But it's also a very important day when you're born of the Spirit. 
when now you are living this side of eternity in relationship with God, in preparation, in anticipation for the other side of eternity, in paradise, in heaven with God the Father. You know, it's by the Son, by the cross and by faith. It's faith in Jesus Christ. We don't attain new life, new birth because of something we do, but because of something we receive. And you know, that Ephesians Scripture talks about the eyes of our heart being enlightened. And I've been praying tonight that for many of you, that the eyes of your heart would be open tonight. That the eyes of your heart would be open to see who God is, to see God's love, to see Christ, to see the opportunity before you to have eternal life and salvation. And tonight, maybe it's like I've been talking in French. And I'm just going to believe the team are going to lead us in a beautiful song. I believe that as that's happening, that God can open your eyes, that God can lift the scales off your eyes. And I want to encourage you to like that story where the Israelites needed to look at that snake so that they would not die. As we sing in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit, try and fix your eyes on Jesus. Look to Him that is high and lifted up so that you will not die, but have everlasting life. It's because He loves us. It's because He loves you. And so what I want us to do right now is just to stand to our feet and the team are gonna lead us in a beautiful song. And I wanna stir everybody here, whether right now you're a believer or not, fix your eyes on Jesus in this moment. Ask Him to open the eyes of your heart that you may see Him, that you may experience Him, that you can see the Kingdom of God and enter it by new birth. That's what God's extending towards you tonight. I wanna encourage you to reach out to Him. Ask of Him tonight. If you know you need a miracle, if you know you're at the end of yourself, you've got no answers within yourself, I'm telling you, the miracle's before you. It's the miracle of salvation comes by faith in Christ. So team, why don't we sing? And everybody, why don't we just fix our eyes on Jesus? And if you, if you can't, ask God to open the eyes of your heart in Jesus' Name. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.